Climate change is a complex challenge for our country. The overwhelming scientific opinion is that greenhouse gas emissions are causing changing climate and that to prevent an average temperature rise that would lead to real challenges for humanity, we need to, as a planet, reduce our emissions. That we need to act is not in question. How we do it without causing huge economic damage to our nation and its people is the question. It is the how, not the if. Done in a reckless manner, with unrealistic timelines out of step with our global competitors, we could face a situation where industry moves emissions overseas. Australia's economic strength would be reduced, but global emissions would not. That is Sam Birrell delivering his maiden speech in the 47th Parliament of Australia. Sam is the newly elected member for the federal seat of Nichols. Yes, and I am Robert McLean, your host of Climate Conversations, and this is the latest episode. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Sam's position on climate change echoed most everything the National Party has ever said. To me, it appeared a bit like the drug dealer's response. If we don't sell it to them, somebody else will. But I'll let you make up your own mind. Here now is Sam's maiden address. Thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. I would like to begin this address by reading out the names of four people who grew up in regional Australia. They are four people who, by virtue of when and where they were born, had limited opportunities, but they used what opportunity they, there was to create a significant legacy for those who followed. The regional Australians I want to mention are Richard and Eileen Birrell and Ray and Molly Dunham. Now They have passed, and I'm sure they never would have thought that they'd be spoken about in this chamber, but their lives and their ethics tell us an important story and they were my grandparents. They were born in regional Australia just after the end of the First World War, and as a result, their early teenage years coincided with the ravages of the Great Depression. They had little opportunity for formal education as they had to leave school at a young age to support their families. Their work was tough, but work did at least exist due to the developing agricultural and food processing industries in the regions. They then experienced the danger and deprivation of the Second World War and after that started families. They were determined to work as hard as they could to ensure that their children had a chance at educational opportunities that they never had. My parents, Brian and Sue, both from different parts of regional Victoria, met at Melbourne University and after their studies came to the Goulburn Valley, as the prosperity of this region offered opportunities, my father-in-law and my mother as a teacher. I was therefore lucky enough to be born into this amazing part of regional Australia. I spent my childhood growing up on the banks of the Goulburn River, or the Kaila, as it's called in Yorta Yorta language. I have three younger sisters, Emily, Sarah and Hannah, and we remained close as adults. And our family life was always one where questions were encouraged, intellectual curiosity was ubiquitous, 
and the overwhelming ethic was that people were to be cared for. After formative years at school in Shepparton and then as a boarder at Assumption College in Kilmore, I was looking for opportunity. But as a disorganised and unstructured young man, this took a little while. <laughs> but in the regions, the community have your back. And I found work on a fruit and cattle farm in Ardmona, just near the city of Shepparton. And I recall with great appreciation the support my mother Sue gave me at this time in my life. And I loved agriculture. And I was proud of what I was doing, helping to grow healthy food for people. I wanted to do more in this industry, but I knew that I had to gain further education. Now, we know moving to the city for young regional people is tough and expensive, and often, to the detriment of regional communities, it also means they and their newfound skills are lost to the big smoke. But to my great fortune, the University of Melbourne Agricultural Campus is in a place called Dukey, only 30 kilometres outside of Shepparton, and I was able to complete an agricultural science degree in my own region. I worked in agriculture in the Goulburn Valley as an agronomist, advising farmers on aspects of crop production, and I then worked for Israeli irrigation pioneers Netafim, helping farmers around Australia and New Zealand use technology to apply water more efficiently to farms. At this time, I had the opportunity to be involved in the vibrant sports and arts communities in Shepparton. Our music is the art form that sustains me, and my guitar will be a constant companion with me here in Canberra. I also had the opportunity to further my education again by studying a Master of Business Administration degree at the Shepparton campus of La Trobe University. The MBA offered invaluable insights into dealing with complex problems, such as the relationship between people and the economy. And in my view, an economy is there to serve people, and people will contribute successfully to businesses and the economy if they are made to feel valued and if they are able to use their own creativity to improve the performance of those businesses and that economy. I had these opportunities for tertiary education in my region because La Trobe and Melbourne universities are committed to operating there, not just in capital cities. I want governments to continue supporting institutions who do this, because doing that is not just saying your postcode should not define your access to education, it is actually doing something to ensure it. And the Nationals have lived up to that in my region in recent times. Yeah. For the past six years, I've had the opportunity to serve my community as the CEO of the Committee for Greater Shepparton, an advocacy group funded and driven by the business community. In that capacity, I was able to gain knowledge of the issues facing many parts of our community, and I come to this place with that knowledge in a spirit of collaboration to find solutions. The electorate I represent covers some of the southernmost ranges of the Great Divide, in which are nestled the vibrant and burgeoning towns of Seymour and Broadford and the Pukapunyal Army Base, and this is Tungarung country. In the central part of the electorate are the alluvial flatlands that span either side of the Goulburn River as it flows through the towns of Ngambi, Murchison and Talamba. The Goulburn then junctions with the Broken River in Shepparton. And across the north of the electorate are the Murray River towns of Yarrawonga, Cobram and Echuca, and the agricultural centres of Kyabram, 
Rochester, Nathalia and Yamurka. The electorate is named after Sir Doug Nichols, a Yorta Yorta man who grew up on the Cumragunja mission near Echuca. He was a sportsman, social worker, pastor, governor of South Australia and re respected elder in the community, and his is an inspirational example of service and leadership. The region is many things, home to a vibrant and sophisticated and evolving Indigenous culture. A critical food bowl of Australia, enabled by the Murray and Goulburn rivers, which supply a network of irrigation channels, gravity-feeding water to farmland with highly fertile soils. A major producer of apples, pears and peaches. It is a large producer of milk and a processor of this milk into high-quality dairy products that make their way around Australia and the world. Now, if you are having a pizza somewhere in Australia or Asia, there is a good chance the mozzarella cheese on it came from the Goulburn Valley. In addition, the electorate of Nichols is, I believe, one of the most successful examples of multiculturalism in the world. People from all over have made their way to this region, often coming with nothing, and they have made extraordinary lives. Now, my observation as a member of this community is that we seem to do better when we celebrate each other's different cultural identity, but moreover, embrace each other's humanity, the humanity being a stronger bond between us than any divisions that attempt to be amplified by race, gender, sexual orientation or religious view. As the Pink Floyd song Echoes says, strangers passing in the street by chance two separate glances meet, and I am you and what I see is me. You will have noted the key word I've used in this address is opportunity. It was afforded to my grandparents thanks to regional industries, though in difficult circumstances. It was afforded to my parents in their access to tertiary education, which was only made possible because of the hard work and financial sacrifices of their parents. It has been afforded to me through a loving family with a focus on education, the mentoring from my community access to tertiary educational opportunities in my region and the vibrant industry that sustains us. I'm here because we need that opportunity to continue to be afforded to the people in regional Australia, the people in my electorate. And how can we do this? Firstly and most importantly, the opportunity to work in agriculture and food processing in my patch comes through reliable and affordable water for irrigation. The Murray-Darling Basin Plan has taken a significant amount of that water away from productive use in my electorate. The water is now owned by the Commonwealth to be used for the environment. And though it has caused a lot of pain, we understand the need to look after the river system. And strategic and efficient use of environmental water can help us do that. But we are at a tipping point and no more can be taken from communities that have already done much of the heavy lifting. When water leaves an area, so does the economy that that water creates. If a farmer sells water licence back to the government, the farmer may be well compensated, but the milk or fruit that the farmer once grew grows no longer. 
The people employed in the supply chain that gets the product to the consumer are no longer employed. The community, the region and indeed Australia is poorer in so many ways. Now, in, in, sorry, in 2012, there was a political add-on to the original Murray-Darling Basin Plan that said that 450 extra gigalitres, on top of what was already taken, could be taken away from productive use and sent downstream. But there is an important caveat in the legislation, and it says it can only be taken if it would have a neutral or improved socioeconomic impact on basin communities. If any of this water was to be removed from our irrigation in our region, the impact on our communities would be overwhelmingly negative. That's a no-brainer. In addition, any attempt to push that much water downstream could erode the banks of our rivers and impact the Barmer choke, causing negative environmental impacts. Some try to argue that socioeconomic neutrality relates to the farmer being significantly compensated. So they say, well, we'll just go and buy the 450 back. But my father, who has spent his working life analysing the wording in legislation, has always taught me that words matter and that in legislation all words must do some work and carry some weight. The meaning and weight of the term socioeconomic is undeniable. Socio means society. Economy, economic means economy. If the society and the economy in our basin communities are negatively affected, and they would be, then the socio-economic neutrality test fails. So no part of this extra water, the 450 gigalitres, can be removed from productive irrigation. If we do not have productive industries, opportunity for future generations evaporates. Climate change is a complex challenge for our country. The overwhelming scientific opinion is that greenhouse gas emissions are causing changing climate and that to prevent an average temperature rise that would lead to real challenges for humanity, we need to, as a planet, reduce our emissions. That we need to act is not in question. How we do it without causing huge economic damage to our nation and its people is the question. It is the how, not the if. Done in a reckless manner, with unrealistic timelines out of step with our global competitors, we could face a situation where industry moves emissions overseas. Australia's economic strength would be reduced, but global emissions would not. That's a reality we need to face. I'm sure that as a nation we are up to this challenge, and I look forward to working constructively towards a just transition and keeping our mind open to the range of technologies that can get us there. In my mind, just transition means that the justice, human rights and dignity of those most affected by any change need to be protected, and often these are people in regional areas. We need to safeguard their opportunity. I join the National Party and ask the people of Nichols to elect me as representative in this chamber because I believe in regional Australia and I want to see it thrive. Some of the great steps forward we have made have been thanks to my predecessor, Damien Drum, as a member of the Nationals in government. We are on a better path than we once were. We have new cultural institutions, better transport, better tertiary education facilities, more opportunity for young people to have successful careers in our region, particularly in healthcare. Now, that came from 
a real collaboration between Drummy and the community, along with the focus of the nationals. And I want to continue to develop our region and regional Australia more broadly. I don't want an Australia that's dominated by a few ever-expanding megacities. Let's look at the example of Germany. Germany has a population of 80 million, but its largest city is 3 million. Its structure is a network of vibrant, smaller regional cities with strong industries linked by high-speed rail. Australia needs to approach this population balance question in a strategic way. I believe this happens by sustainably developing our regional cities, ensuring the towns that surround them are places that people want to move to, and creating the space and conditions for vibrant and profitable industries in the regions. We can link these places to capitals with high-speed electrified rail, and all this can be powered by new technology with lower emissions. And the spirit of these communities will be centred on creating opportunity for all. I would like to thank the volunteers who supported my campaign, especially the campaign committee chaired by Lindsay Dan. The only reason I'm in a, in a position to do any of this work is because I married Lisa. Prior to meeting her, I was described as talented but wayward, a young man lacking in organisation, structure and direction. But thanks to Lisa's love uh, and support and influence, I've been able to attain a position I could never have imagined. And the lesson here is that all of us deserve the opportunity for love and partnership. My kids, Sophie and David, continue to provide inspiration, and I hope I can make them proud in this job as we work towards ensuring that their generations and the ones that follow had better opportunities than we had. So in closing, Richard and Eileen, Ray and Molly were born about 100 years ago in regional Australia. What future are we setting up for those born in the regions now? We owe it to them to invest, to innovate, to work hard and smart, to ensure opportunity is there for all as we adapt to a changing future. So thank you all for the opportunity. Thanks. And you'll find the link to Sam Birrell's maiden speech in the show notes. And just last night, that being Monday, August 1, the Shepparton campus of La Trobe University organized an event with four speakers where they talked about the recent federal election, and what it meant, the politics of it, and where we were going from here. One of the speakers was Cathy McGowan, the former independent member for Indi, now retired. And she was loud in the praise for those who had been elected to federal government, especially the women. Cathy was in Canberra to hear many of the maiden speeches, and the one given by the new member for Kuyong, Dr. Monique Ryan, particularly impressed her. Next, we have a taser. Just a few words from what Dr. Ryan said in Parliament, and you'll find a link to the whole address in the show notes. To the rural communities of Western New South Wales and Queensland, with farms and towns hit by drought, the people of Kuyong voted for you. To the people of Kabago and Malakuta and Kangaroo Island, whose homes burned during that black summer, Kuyong voted for you. To the people of Lismore and Woodburn, whose houses have this year been inundated again and again by flood, Kuyong voted 
for you. To those who have dedicated their lives to education, to science, to the arts, to the caring professions, who have felt ill-supported by a government which gave pandemic job subsidies to casinos but not to universities, Kuyong voted for you. For those women of Australia who are underpaid, undervalued and unsafe and in their, in their homes and in their workplaces, Kuyong voted for you. For immigrants subjected to fear and suspicion, and for the First Nations Australians still struggling for recognition, Kuyong voted for you. For those subjected to detention for trying to come to this country, for those who have been punished for speaking truth to power, Kuyong voted for you. Another maiden address that impressed Cathy McGowan was that given by the successful Labor candidate, Ms Zanita Mascaranis. She won the seat of Swan in WA and epitomised for Cathy the subtle wonder of Australian democracy and added in that success another female voice to the 47th Parliament of Australia. Zanita is the daughter of immigrants and comes from the mining industry. You'll find a link to her maiden address in the show notes. Building cubby houses in the bush and chasing lizards in the red dirt. That's how I grew up. I was born in Kalgoorlie and grew up in Cambelda, a nickel mining town. My dad, Joe, was a metal worker, my mum, Ethel, a lollipop lady and kindergarten cleaner. Cambelda had the best of everything. Nearly everyone's parents were employed at the mine. It was a highly skilled and multicultural workforce. We had magnificent gum trees that traversed our front yards. For school camp fundraisers, we helped rehabilitate mines and planted trees. Mr Woolard, the environment manager, taught us that once you dug up the minerals, you put the topsoil back and you heal the land again. The calibre of teachers was phenomenal, in particular Elaine Wilson and Principal Anthony Beatty. They fostered curiosity, play, respect and a love of learning. In fact, my primary school teacher, Mrs Wilson, was my childhood role model. This smart, compassionate woman taught us about our world, the environment. Let's have a listen now to the newly elected member for Goldstein, Zoe Daniel. And you'll find a link to her entire maiden address in the show notes. The legacy of the 47th Parliament must include climate action, for the long-term future of our country. Greater integrity, safety and empowerment for women and girls. These are the concerns of our nation. A few days ago, one of these concerns was brought into sharp focus with the release of the State of the Environment report. Our country is burning and flooding, our waters polluting, our trees dwindling, our very earth is wasting away. But the report gives us a path back, which includes First Nations people, the first guardians of country. It's time to act. Yes, thank you, Zoe. It's most certainly time. It's, in fact, well beyond time. Don't forget to check out the show notes, as you'll find lots of links in there. Yes, we're at the end of today's episode of Climate Conversations. If you enjoyed this, please feel free to share with your friends. I truly enjoyed your company. And until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle.